This is CliffCentral.com. Hello and welcome to another In Conference with Michael Jackson right here on cliffcentral.com. This is unscripted, uncensored, unradio. And this program is where you get to meet the people who I'm lucky enough to meet as a conference speaker all around the world. I've spoken at about two and a half thousand events. And the people that I meet, we figured here at Cliff Central, you'd like to meet them as well. And this is your opportunity to do just that. They're business people, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, authors multi-millionaires, a whole range of very diverse individuals. And today's guest is no exception. Tessa, the lady I'm about to introduce you to, is not a conference speaker. I think she's about to become one, but she's a very, very phenomenal background singer. She wrote a book called Backtrack that came out earlier this year about the story of her life in the music industry. She's performed with all of the greats, as you'll find out when she joins us now live on Skype from her home in the UK. This is Tessa Niles. And if you've never heard the name nor read the book Backtrack, you're going to want to after this. Tessa, nice to have you with us on the show. How are you? Thank you, Michael. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Incredibly well. Thank you. Racing around the world. Just came out of Spain, off to Thailand, but had to get this interview done with you first and foremost. Tell me about you, Tessa, if you will, and the story of Tessa Niles that led up to the book Backtrack. Well, it's really a story about uh, a young girl who had aspirations to be in the music industry, probably center stage and going as far as she possibly could. Uh, but my particular story takes a little twist in that I did have the opportunity to, to take the center stage and felt that it wasn't really for me. So my story really charts a different course. Um, the fact that I decided that I was actually more of a team player than I was a front person. And that surprises a lot of people. But uh, for me, I had a 30 year career working with the biggest stars uh, in, in music history. So, you know, I think I did pretty well out of it. <laughs> I mean, you've performed on stage with the likes of David Bowie, with Tina Turner. You're the female voice on that magnificent Eric Clapton track, Layla, as well as a bunch of others as well. But you've always been in the background, Tessie. You've never been out front and famous in your own right. Famous in the music industry, certainly, but not in your own right. How, how was it performing with all those giant stars? Well, I think provided you're comfortable with that role, uh, for me, it was the best job in the world, supporting uh, the greats, being there uh, at the time great music was made, making musical history, if you like. And for me, that was the ultimate job for me, for me, um, because of my personality. And I think you, you have to do something that fires your passion in life. And that really did for me, for, sorry, I keep saying for me, but yeah, it's true. Uh, I just felt I had the perfect job for my particular character and style. And I loved playing that supporting role. I first saw you performing live on stage with the members of Dire Straits at a function and a concert here in Johannesburg. I was blown away. Look, I've always had this thing for backing singers in my life. But, I mean, you, you just seem to have this presence on stage that is remarkable. What made you end up working with literally some of the most famous names in the musical industry? Was it, was it luck? Was it good judgment? How did it all come together? 
I think like so many things, Michael, it, it's a combination of all those things. I mean, definitely some luck in there. I think if you don't acknowledge luck, then it's, uh, you know, it's a mistake. But I think once you've had that luck, then your your own skills take over. And I was lucky enough to be a good singer, um, be very adaptable, be, be somebody who could um, adapt to, to many, many different styles. If you like, a little bit like an actress but using my singing voice rather than, than the speaking voice. And um, I was just so fortunate to work with these great people. And I, I think in those days, um, in the 1980s, when I really began, it was word of mouth. So I I'd do a gig with the police, and then I got a call from Elton John, and then I got a call to do Live Aid, and then it just rolled on. And I think it really was, uh, you know, a... a it seemed like a slow build at the time, but actually looking back at it now, it was it was uh, it was quite fast in in some ways, uh, and it's just reputation. It, it was pretty much word of mouth, and thankfully in those days, people used to see credits on CDs. I don't think people see that so much anymore, unfortunately, with uh, with the digital age. But um, yeah, my my name was on a lot of credits, and and so yeah, word of mouth, and kept on rolling. Now, about the book, because when I heard you were writing a book, I assumed, stupidly, that it was going to be a kiss-and-tell kind of memoir. Um, you know, the, I know there's a quote on the front cover of the book from Robbie Williams who says incredible things about wanting to buy you and own you. But, but that, <laughs> that apart, the book itself you wrote for a very different reason. It wasn't kiss-and-tell. In fact, that's probably surprised an awful lot of people. Yeah, I think it did. Uh, largely, I mean, I did think about it, and, and there are some personal stories that I that I have. But uh, by and large, I loved what I was doing. I liked the people I was working with. I was treated very well. Um, I really didn't have any axes to grind, so to speak, and I didn't want to say things that would potentially hurt someone. I think we live in an age where perhaps talk is a little cheap, and um, I I felt, look, even if the book doesn't sell in the numbers that it would if I were kissing and telling, um, so be it. You know, one has to live with one's work, and I was quite happy. You know, when, when you think about the era in which you were performing the most, sex, drugs and rock and roll was the order of the day, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, most definitely. I mean, I went from uh, performing to a maximum of 500 people in the back room of a pub in Putney in South London to um, to going to 50,000 in a stadium with the police. I mean, that was a huge jump. It was a baptism by fire. And at 22, I was... I was ready to to say, bring it on. It was incredible. But there were the excesses. There were the the bonkers things that that, that happened, um, the after-show parties, the limos, the fabulous lifestyle. And um, hopefully I've captured some of that in Backtrack. But here you are now as a happily married woman with children, um, having survived that incredible era, (laughs) writing a book and saying it's not about the sex, drugs and rock and roll. It's about being a member of the team. And that was the thing within Backtrack, the book itself, that most appealed to me that, you know, this concept that you can be a team member and incredibly valuable. But you don't necessarily have to be that front person, that solo artist running out, you know, getting all the adulation. But being an incredibly valued, essential part of a team. Was that the most important message for you within the Backtrack book? It was actually, Michael, because um, I know from, from having my own kids, I mean, if you speak to a lot of kids nowadays, 
uh, and ask them the question, well, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? A lot of them say they want to be famous. And, you know, you start digging and asking them what they want to be famous for, and they don't really know. It's just this notion of celebrity and fame that these kids have been fed a diet of. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with kind of aiming for the top. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think um, kids really need to know that um, being a team member, being part of the magic, making magic happen is just as valuable. And quite often that top spot isn't available for people for very long. It can be quite a transient thing, especially if, if it's fame and celebrity led. Um, you've got to have the, the substance underneath and, and sustaining a career, I think, is more important than having celebrity. And your career is stellar. I mean, when people Google you now and look at YouTube of all those incredible performances that have been captured for immortal time, you know, there you are doing your phenomenal thing from the back rows, and it looks superb. The magic that was certainly there. Here's a weird thought, though, for you, Tessa. I mean, you're becoming more famous now as a front person of your own book than you were when you were supporting the likes of Robbie Williams or David Bowie or The Police or Eric Clapton as well. How does that make you feel? Yeah, no, you're right. It actually feels fantastic because it feels like I've, I've taken a step towards the glare of the spotlight, the thing that I guess in some ways I was averse to um, long ago and, and let everybody else step into it. I'm now finding myself in, in a little bit of myself, and, and I have to say I love it. I really, really love it because the reaction to the book has been greater than I ever expected. And so talking about um, handing the baton on to kids, talking to, to younger people about about things is, is, is a gift. It's such a gift to be able to speak. I'm just speaking and not singing, I guess. What's happened to you since the book came out? How's the book doing? What's the story of Backtrack? Yeah, no, it's doing great. It's doing really very well. Um, I'm doing a, a nice little piece for the BBC. They're coming down uh, to my house on Friday to do a piece, which is lovely. And I've had some nice uh, national newspaper coverage. It's just ongoing. But I have to say, I'm missing South Africa. Well, of course, you moved out here and you lived and, and worked out here for a while. Um, it was on stage with the Dire Straits members when I first saw you here in South Africa. I know that you've recently moved back to the UK. And to say that you're missing the country is lovely, really. But, you know, have we lost you forever or is Tessa Niles going to be coming back to South African shores anytime soon? Yeah, I am. I can't keep away. I, I just can't. Um, you know, let's set aside the UK weather because nobody wants to hear about that. Everybody knows how awful it is. And yes, it's still awful. Even after being away for 10 years, it's dreadful. So um, I'd love to come back and, and get some of that good essay sunshine. But I miss the energy of South Africa, I think. It's um, for good or bad. You know, there, there's there's negative energy and there's positive energy, but it is the most extraordinary place. And I, it is kind of in my bones now after 10 years. So I do miss it, but I will be coming back regularly. Absolutely. Coming back in November. Oh. Loving it. Love USA. Ah, brilliant. Now, um, so from the BBC to cliffcentral.com, the media world fates you enormously now as well. What lies ahead, apart from your forthcoming visit to South Africa, what lies ahead in the world of Tessa Niles? Yeah, I've been blogging a lot and actually commenting on uh, programs like X Factor, um, talking about talking about fame and celebrity, really. I, I do think um, if I have something to pass on. It is my observations 
uh, in the industry about fame, about celebrity, the pros and the cons. And I think um, I'd like to become known as a commentator and also a speaker. Brilliant. And I look forward to talking to you offline about the speaking thing as well. But for now, Tessa, because time is always against us on this program, how, how do people get hold of Tessa Niles? How do, they, how do we find your blog? How do we find the book Backtrack? Okay, I'm just about to launch my website, which will be tessaniles.com. So that should go live in the next week or two. Uh, and I will um, post things on Facebook about that. I have a Facebook fan page, which is lovely, which is called Tessa Niles Page. It's not a double-barreled name, as <laughs> as some people think it is. Um, and then you can purchase the book from www.backtrackbook.com. Wow, that's fantastic. www.backtrackbook.com. If you haven't read it, I'm going to urge you to do so. This is the inside story of the music industry with a hidden message about being a team member. And if you're listening to this as a team member, this is probably the best thing you could read to give you hope and belief in what you're doing is valuable and essential. I've got to say goodbye to our guest, Tessa, because time, 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 15-minute program. But I've got to tell you that I just think it's probably the most amazing read of the year. I would urge you to go to Facebook, to Tessa Niles' page. So it's Niles, as in like Nile the River with an S on the end. And get the book, follow her, follow her blogs, link up with her website at tessaniles.com in the next couple of weeks, and prepare to be amazed. Tessa, it's a real joy speaking to you. I look forward to seeing you live in South Africa in November as well. Thank you for being a guest on In Conference with Michael Jackson here on Cliff Central. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute joy. Now, that's the caliber of guests you meet on this program. This is the station that podcasts the very best of business and stuff from around the world. And I'll be back with you on my next podcast. These come out once a week from Tessa Niles and myself, Michael Jackson. Thank you for listening. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.